The weekend's here, bike lovers, so grab a deck chair, a pack of Moretti's, a pink nylon wig and a family bag of paprika crisps and head for the roads of Marque, where the Gruppo will be passing through en route to their finish at around about 5.15 in the evening in Old Fossombrone. Bus routes will be on diversion throughout the city centre and expect bottlenecks on all approaches to town, particularly via Martiri della Resistenza, which will be closed throughout the afternoon. And to help you through the day, here's Matt Bianco and get out of your lazy bed. Well, listen to that after the uh, uh, ordeal of last night's, well, serial horrors that we encountered trying to get off Sasso with the cable car scrum, and then the, uh, the, the, the hailstorm that nearly ended the world, um, or certainly that bit of the Italian motorway that we found ourselves on. I wake up in Marche, right on the northern border of Marche, uh, on a, around about 10 minutes drive out in the country in the hills, not far from the coast, and not far from today's stage finish in Foss, uh, Fossombroni, which is a place I've visited quite often, I think, down the years in Terreno Adriatico. And I think we got here about half ten, quarter to eleven in the end. Pitch dark, following our sat-nav off a tarmac road onto a gravel road, and then suddenly you, you get that feeling that you're going to end up somewhere really special. And... Um, and we really have. It's this tiny walled village, which is effectively one castello that's been lovingly restored um, and turned into principally accommodation and little restaurants and cafes and things. It's called the, uh, look it up, it's called the um, Casa Oliva. And it is uh, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Uh, but we got there, we got here far too late. I had a stunning restaurant that we didn't go to even though they were quite happy to still serve us food at half past ten at night but we'd eaten already um so we just went to bed i edited the podcast went to bed um and got up early this morning and went running uh in it's my favorite kind of terrain to run because it's just gently up and down it's not flat so you're not just bombing along the beach like we were in pescara uh Barely saw another soul, one or, one or two cars over the course of an hour and a bit past me. But, um, yeah, just just fantastic to be here and out of out of the mountains, frankly. Uh, lovely sunny day. Uh, I'm going to hopefully have a little bit of time with Matt to explore Fossombroni. And um, it's stage eight, and the rest day is just around the corner. Down at the finish line in Fossombroni, where memories come flooding back, as so often happens on Grand Tours. It's, it, it, when you see the name on the distant stage eight at the beginning of the race, and it kind of like triggers vague memories, it's only when you get closer and actually arrive on the day that you suddenly, it all comes flooding back and you approach these little towns. Um, this happens on the Tour de France to me as well, after 20 years on the race, that you go, oh yes, of course I've been, of course I've been, of course I know this place. Sometimes vaguely, sometimes very accurately. And I remember coming here in the spring of 2019 to Fossombrone in the company of the wonderful Rob Hales. And we were doing this similar job, commentating on Terreno Adriatico on a stage that finished here. Actually started in Foligno, which is almost <coughs> almost invariably um, 
part of Tirreno Adriatico every year, and which is an inter the first intermediate sprint on today's race. Similar finish to today's finish, and an identical finish um, on the on the Via uh, Materi della Resistenza. Um, the, 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 the obviously the, the street of the or the road of the the martyrs of the resistance, and uh, yeah, a couple of things to say about that. Alexei Lutsenko won the stage in, in absolutely brilliant fashion. He's a rider who's just in 2019 it was having one of those golden years where phases where absolutely everything just went, everything that he touched seemed to work, and he was probably the very best version of Alexei Lutsenko four years ago. And what marked out this particular day of racing was that it was slightly damp and over the top of this Cappuccini climb, which they did twice, just like today, um, he crashed on the descent and he crashed twice. He was off the front with a, a couple of minutes advantage and he was caught by a group containing Primoz Roglic, Adam Yates and his teammate Jakob Fulsang uh, in the final kilometre. And uh, then he sat on the back as they went to the line and he beat them all in a sprint. <laughs> it's a crazy day of racing. Anyway, just on the subject of the, the Masters of the Resistance, I'm standing outside a, uh, uh, just in front of a stone memorial that was erected on the 26th of August 1994, exactly 50 years after the liberation of uh, Fossombrone. Um, and the inscription I've I loosely translated as La Città di Fossombrone, Liberata dal Giorgio. So the city of Fossombrone, um, freed from the uh, Italian. Uh, for, sorry, from the fascist dictatorship on this day and the uh, occupation, the German occupation, which had caused so many of our citizens to fight, die and be injured <coughs> on the cause for the benefit of our community um, in recognition of the, the forces of liberation for their enthusiasm and the citizens uh, of the citizens and the memory of the sacrifices of our own countrymen and women who, uh, in rebuilding the houses and factories uh, and to build a, a future of peace, democracy, justice and liberty. Uh, uh, per non dimenticare, um, lest, uh, what is it, lest we forget, or not to be forgotten. Matt's back from his recon ride. Um, he got a proper dab on. I did. I've cooled down a bit now, thankfully, because it was a lovely uh, descent. But yeah, road up I Capu uh, a Capucci, isn't it? It's called a Cappuccino. Cappuccini. Cappuccini. Yeah, I Cappuccini. It's called uh, the it's the Via Cappuccini. That's where it gets its name from. Um, so road the reverse up there from that the village. Great name for a Giro climb, it's isn't brilliant. it? It's absolutely fantastic. Um, you were describing uh, the win of. Uh, Alexei Lutsenko a couple of years ago in Torino, quite, a, I mean, showing you how difficult this this, uh, this climb is. But yeah, went over the top in reverse, dropped down two k's of a climb, reverse back, did a Ewing, came back up and only just made it on the Brompton um, with a full dab on. Um, uh, yeah, but cheered on by the crowd. The quite, by quite the Tifosi. By the Tifosi. The, uh, there's plenty of people outside the road already setting up camp. On the hair, on the particularly on the steep hairpin bend, there's a load of old chaps with their deck chairs right on the corner, already watching a lot of mountain bikers and and, and fans out there uh, trying to climb. But twice up, although first time up, they still got 50 k's. Um, Michael Matthews Day, but maybe even a little bit hard for Michael Matthews. Mm. You know the GC rides, but I, I think 
don't don't normally do predictions on the pod, but Ben Healy, I've just got a feeling. But yeah, very hard, super selective, and I hope um, I hope it's going to be raced aggressively. And I think it will. I think it's hard enough for some little cheeky GC splits. I really do. Bad idea making prediction in the pod because you know again our listeners are in the future now. I think it's just we can just see how good at punditry we are or how bad or or how bad. Yeah, or average. Um, I like the fact that when you when you you wrote it on your folding bike, obviously you're Brompton wearing your civilian clothes. clothes. Um, But you're describing how you adapted your uh, Giro d'Italia polo shirt. Just talk us through that. Well, what I did, um, I felt quite warm on the lower slopes of the the reverse descent. Okay, it's quite long, 4k climb, about six or seven percent. and I felt myself getting increasingly hot, and I've got to commentate in this in this polo. So what I did, I gently rolled it up um, in a Dem- reverse. Matt's now almost demonstrating it. Yeah, so I'm seeing a bit of his belly button so now, and now uh, his lower rib cage just is below my my nipples. Uh, so I felt a little bit like Daisy Duke from the Dukes of Hazard, um, where she's showing her midriff, and I've got my jeans. Well, so, yeah, th- that's quite an interesting segue into another little su- subject that I wanted to touch on, and that's our recent over the last 48 hours our a nascent inability to exit a car sensibly. Um, <laughs> so, so Dukes, got, uh, you know, talking about Dukes of Hazard, how they they through the window, through the window always, which would be preference. I think we touched on the fact that um, on the Grand Sasso stage the night before, I parked up very. Cl- I think we talked about it. Didn't we? I parked up too close to a, a bar and had to yes, move it. I've never and parked so close to a bench in my life. So close to a bench, and I had to. I'm losing my microphone skills. I'm pointing it <laughs> at you when I'm speaking and at me when you're speaking. <laughs> Basic stuff, this isn't I know, it? No, we're deep. We're not <gasps> exactly deep into the race. I think I heard you. I don't know who you were talking to on the phone, but you're saying we, you, we're starting to lose our ability to do relatively simple things. Like that, uh, eye-hand coordination is is poor anyway. Yeah. Relatively poor, or, or hand-eye coordination, or hand-eye coordination even. Um, <laughs> particularly when parking a vehicle in, in a in a relatively large area, it's not even a tight space. So it was hilarious that night at Grand Sasso because I had to try and get out. I'd been in the driver's seat. I, I couldn't get out my side, so I had to clamber over the gear stick. I think we spoke about this, and um, I'm not as nimble as I once was. And in order to winch and leave, winch that word, um, in order to winch and lever myself out. I braced myself with the left elbow quite hard against the horn and sounded quite late at night in this tiny little um, village. I sounded the horn, didn't I? You did sound the horn. But um, sounding the horn like that, it's just its innately funny, isn't it? And we just burst into a fit of giggles. Then that made it even worse, because when you're giggling, you lose pretty much most of the control of your muscles, don't you? So you just go all sad and floppy whilst laughing. Um, and it happened again. 24 hours later, it happened in spades. This time you were driving. Yeah. Um, at the beautiful place that I described earlier in the pod that we parked up at very far too late last night, caught half past 10, caught to 11 or something. You reversed um, with the, using the sensors and the video camera, unaware that there was a, first of all, there was a little row of little hand-built parapet of stones that you actually semi-destroyed, we discovered. I, did, I knocked a few over, but it was, it was a, just... A, a height of two bricks, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, negligible, but yeah, still negligible. you did a bit of damage there. We didn't realise that until this morning. Yeah, lucky um, didn't damage the car, but the... Yeah, so that, that, was, that wasn't great, and you did point that out, but we, we did that. But then I... What did I do? Well, the, the thing was, we had, we'd had two long transfers in succession, so the back of our car was full of non, like, lanyards and little bits and pieces. We quite unpacked, so we needed, we needed the lights on to make sure that we got everything out. And that's where it all started to go wrong. So you just, like, um, just stuck your... So the lights don't come on automatically when you open the no. thing. It wasn't set to the right thing. So you just like whacked the ceiling bit with the controls and just they came blindly on, they? just kind of like turned the lights on, not really knowing what you touched. But that was fine. We got a lot of stuff out in the light. 
exited the car, locked it, started to walk away, and then you turned around and went, lights are lo- the lights are still on in the car, and that's when it all went wrong. Yeah, so I went back into the car, un- unlocked the car, and you'd already started giggling uh, at just that fact. Yeah. Uh, and I, well, it was, it was getting into the car in the first place was quite tricky for you, wasn't it? Well, I've got a bit of a bad, a bit of a bad back, or it feels a bit better to say. I've got a bit of a bad back, and also had put my rucksack on and didn't take it off. So I was leaning into a car uh, with a rucksack on. So straight away there was an, an, an obstruction, which I ridiculous. I was like like a dog with a long twig trying a long branch trying to get through a door you know that kind of thing I just anyway got in sideways looked up and I had my glasses on and, and I and I cut and your neck at an unreasonable angle so my glasses are on and also when I've got my glasses on looking at things close I can't see them so, so basically I was looking up and I was blinded and dazzled and it was also out of focus and I was fumbling around trying to turn the lights off and couldn't. For a couple and, of minutes. And, and, and then, of course, because I was flailing around like an absolute loon, my, my left elbow hit the horn. <laughs> and, then, and then basically that, then I, were, I got into a fit of giggles. You were bent double, almost. I was crying with laughter. I was in the fetal position in the middle of a car park in the middle of the night. Uh, and, and so it went on. And then... And then I'd, I'd, I'd somehow exited the car in, in, in a fit of hysteria. And then I had to beckon you over. And you're like, what? Said, you, you've got to do it, Ned. I can't. I'm a grown man in the early 50s. I can't turn the light off. I said, yeah. I said all, right, all right, give me a second. I've got to find my specs. Yeah, so you had to put your specs on. Because you have to have your specs on for things that are close. I had need them for far away. And, and eventually, after probably the best part of 10 or 15 minutes, somebody, it seemed like an age, managed to turn the lights off. And, and then... And then we walked to the edge of the hotel, which is almost like a castle. It's a beautiful Horses place. And we looked up, thought that's quite high. And then this flight of steps went off almost to a vanishing point <laughs> at the top. This little, and it's like, it was oh like, my god! It was like the beginning of an Isha um, set yeah. of impossible steps, wasn't just it? Kept going With up. the sense that we could walk up there and then continue walking up while actually going down. Yeah, like it was just like, the, it, and it was just at the end of, of what was a pretty extraordinary, grueling day. And we turned up at reception, both like in tears. Yeah, in tears of love. No. I did feel a bit guilt. I thought that the, the man might. He's very nice, the chap, wasn't he? But he I thought, thought he recognised you. Yeah, but we, he took we, me to my room and, and like you'd gone a separate way with the lady. I think the lady took you. So yes. I went off with the chappy boy, and our room was quite a way in. He said, uh, "Your friend there." I went, "Yeah," because he was an ex ex rider. I don't know what that accent is. Ex Belgian, Belgian, <laughs> <laughs> Flemish accent. <laughs> and he said, "Well, I'll, I'll stick with it." Yeah, he's ex rider, and I went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." He goes, oh, "I know him. I know this. I know this guy." There's no name mentioned there, was there? There's no, there's no name, no name mentioned. He's just a champion. I, we think. We think. Probably Pellizzotti. I, think I think he thought you were Pellizzotti. Or, or the other one, or the other one with curly hair, who's now the DS of Bora, uh, and who masterminded uh, Jai Hindley's win, apart from Jai Hindley's legs of last. Um, what's his name? Oh, it's oh, not a really big name, really very famous. He won, what, he, Gasparotto. Gasparotto. Who won, you know, yeah, Amstel twice. So yeah. The two curly-headed Italians with quite big noses, that, and I do resemble them at times. Uh, so I think he might have thought I was an Italian former champion, not a relatively obscure British cyclist who once raced in Italy a bit. <laughs> <laughs> High drama on our way to the finish line, though, involving um, San uh, Gerardo. Oh, we've had... As, of course, many of you will know, we've got San Gerardo, um, the, the, the patron saint of... Unborn, unborn, unborn children, children and pregnant women. 
and who can, amongst other things, um, sprout up m- m- multiple places at once. Bilocate. Bilocate. Great word, that, yeah. isn't it? And he uh, can read human souls. Read human souls, which is really handy. Walk on water. Walk on water. And, but what he seemingly can't do, whilst, situ- whilst, whilst positioned inside a snow globe, uh, t- a t- well, t- tacky snow globe? Yeah. We like it, don't we? There's a tight corner, wasn't it? He's on the dashboard, but it's quite a, it's quite dense. So it's weighted quite well, and it's done really well. It hasn't fallen off. Occasionally, might have to yeah. manoeuvre it back into position. But we were just minding our own business, having a chat about something. We took a, quite a hard 93 left or right hander, and then there's this almighty crash. Yeah. And um, and he's hit the deck. Snowglobe's broke. He's gone down hard, and he? he's gone down hard. Yeah. Uh, and the snow globe has shattered at your feet. Yeah. Uh, but m- miraculously, from within the carnage. He's there, alone, slightly damp, but in perfect condition, still doing what he does. On a plinth. On a plinth. Exposed to the air now. Exposed to the air now, without any sort of strange water and little, uh, little snow particulates. But uh, I'm taking yeah. it as a sign of sorts. Yeah, there was quite an interesting... We didn't know how to take it. You were a little bit upset, and I remember, because you know, as well as colleagues, we're friends, and I just gently put my hand on your shoulder because I could sense... I said, sorry, mate. Yeah, because I, yeah, I felt it was my fault. Um, but the, the fact that he remains intact, I think bodes well, actually, Ned. Hello and welcome to the beautiful riverside town of Fossombrone in Marche. Another massive chunk of Italy ticked off today as the race continues to head north. Nothing like the scale of the Gran Sasso, but nonetheless a series of climbs in the final which could well split the bunch. Put some to the sword while serving others with a final chance to grab some glory late on in the first week of racing at the Giro. Italia field to absolute smithereens in what panache, what verve, and what belief. Ben Healy, quite brilliant, takes the victory on stage eight. Well, I managed to snatch a little bit. I, I went in to record too late, so I didn't get the real kind of bit of commentary of Healy over the line, just a bit of us being excited afterwards. And then I completely forgot, I screwed up the recording of the GC battle afterwards. So we might have to just quickly recreate it. Um, Roglic attacks! Um, Roglic goes clear. clear and, and the, <laughs> oh, sorry, there's an actual real life caravan. Sorry, that. Roglic goes clear. He's opening up a gap, but at the moment, what a ride though by Andreas Lechnerson. It's managed to haul his way back onto the wheel of the flying Slovenian. When is he going to crack? Oh, he's cracked. Roglic on his own. Uh, Remco. I, uh, he's, oh, look. <laughs> well, Remco, Remco's still looking good. He's pacing himself though, Ned. He's, he's lost a little bit of time, but Italian rider looks to be coming back. It's Teo Gegenhardt and Geraint Thomas. Almeida, I've got no idea where he is. Sometimes he's appearing there, other times he's there. I don't know, it's hard to read. But Remco, uh, <laughs> it's, Remco's capitulated. He's losing time. Tegenhardt's gone straight round the struggling world champion. And Roglic surging clear. Look at the cadence as he takes that corner wide. Tonelli finishes seventh. <laughs> oh, and here they come to the line. It's Gegenhardt now. Gegenhardt moves to the front. Roglic just slots in. And those three cross the line together. And we stop the clock and we look to see where the world champion is. The world champion comes home, the clock's ticking, 16 seconds just at the back of that group containing the likes of Jay Vine, Jao Almeida, Jack Haig, et al. Zivikov also there. And just behind that, where is Lechnerson? Lechnerson comes home 
just, it looks like that he might have just held on to the Malia Rosa. I reckon by about eight seconds to Remco Evenepoel at the end of the day. What an approximation. <laughs> it was brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, not that bit of commentary, it was obviously rubbish, but um, what a race. What a race! I think it's easy to overuse the word vintage, but I, I think and it, it was a cracking stage, Ned, it, and it was the, the intensity, the ferocity of the racing from day from day, from day one, from kilometre one, from, well, no, from, I think from metre 200. Um, it was astonishing, and I think looking, stepping away from the race briefing, looking at it from a, a, macro, a macro perspective, just the way that, obviously, Healy's win, but the, the, the effort that he put in early on to, for that break to ultimately stay clear, because they were holding 15 to 20 seconds for the best part of an hour, weren't they? Uh, oh, yeah, then, yeah. That early, not, uh, just early doors. 30 kilometres of that or something wasn't there 20 kilometres of that or something went on forever um, yeah it was super but you called it quite early on and it, you were spot on and it's not always easy to get things spot on but on the other hand it, it, it was like in that group of 13 it, Healy was Healy was always going I think he was always going to win it was just a question of how yeah. um, and I don't think that was necessarily expected that like first of those three times boom and he just went and he was never seen again I mean it was a long way out. it was Pogacar-esque actually wasn't it it was Pogacar-esque it really was it was literally just here we go I'm feeling good and actually I think I just want to add a little bit of context just to what we what you just said there Ned I when you were doing your little bit of highlights at the end I went for a I don't get that many opportunities to mooch about at the finish on my Brompton and and there were a few teams knocking about and I came across Matty Breschel who looked pleased as punch obviously delighted DS from EF Education Easy Post, yeah. Uh, yeah, ex-rider has moved straight into the, slipped seamlessly into the, the DS role. And, and I, was, I congratulated him. He's a rider that I know quite well, and a man that I know quite well. And he was saying, oh, yeah, fantastic performance by Healy. He said once he's unshakable, once he's in that mindset, it's really difficult to break out of it. And he said that he dropped back to TJ Van Garderen, who's another DS, ex-rider for, for EF, who was in the car behind Healy in the break. And um, Van Garderen, understandably, Given that how the, the high intensity start and, and the resources that Healy and everybody else would have used, he was encouraging Healy to just just, just wait a bit, wait a bit. And Healy was like, no, I, I, I'm ready to go, 50k to go. Off he went, just showing ridiculous confidence and self-awareness at such a, you know, 22. 22. And the curious thing about Ben Healy is that he has got the same voice as Dan Martin, which is extraordinary, isn't it? Um, because it's not, it's the same voice. He's transplanted Dan Martin's voice. So no sooner has Dan Martin retired than Ben Healy steps up and becomes Dan Martin, but made flesh and blood, but also with his voice. So two Irishmen from the Midlands of Britain sharing one voice. It's quite incredible, isn't it? It's like a, a, like a Russian doll of former Irish champions. Um, and also, just to add a, quite a lot of weight to that argument, even my dad on the phone this morning when I wished him happy birthday said, do you know what, Matt, just randomly, doesn't, doesn't Ben Healy sound like Dan Martin? They really do. So next time you hear an interview uh, with either Dan Martin or Ben Healy, cross your eyes and think of the other one. Cross your eyes? Close your eyes. Well, you cross your eyes if you want. Can you cross your eyes and close them at the same time? Um, Ned, you're driving. Christ almighty, you absolute loon. What are you doing? <laughs> you did. He did. Try uh, that's just... I need to know. So what are we talking about? We're talking about Ben Healy. Well, what a corking win. Uh, corking win. As all of his wins this year have been in Italy. I mean, to be honest... Yes, that's a, a, a true and good point. Uh, no, it's not true, though. Oh, no, it is true. You're right. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
the Giro needed that. The, the Giro needed that. That was a dispiriting day yesterday. Um, and, and yeah, it needed that. Because had that not happened today in the general classification, it sets it up beautifully for the weeks to come. Even regardless of what happens tomorrow in the individual time trial, Rem, Remco takes a minute on everyone. Fine, not over. It's not yeah, over. No. It's not over. I'd, I'd imagine Remco will be a little bit, a little bit nervous. Remco, um, flipping out. Um, Primoz Roglic, that little play earlier on. He, he only had, he had Michael Hesman did a great ride for Jumbo Visma, picked it up, and I, and they only had three. They only had Karen Bauman with them, and, and Sepp Kuss was there too. But they Karen. took it. Up. Karen Bauman. Karen. Yeah. <laughs> did, I say, did I say Karen? Karen Cohen. Cohen. Cohen Bauman was there. It did sound a bit like Karen. But. But the way they took it up yeah. was a was a real little flex, and and we were quite oh, rightly asking the question, what what are they doing? And I and I thought, well, it initially it was perplexing. We said they're just trying to make it hard because I think Roglic is going to try something. Yeah, and it didn't, but it didn't look like the group had thinned down at all enough sufficiently for Roglic to do that. But the best tactical, I mean, I'll break some of this down with Miller hopefully if I can get him on the line as well. So we don't. We don't so Miller being Dave Miller, not just Miller. Dave Miller. We don't have to do a Karen Miller. No, we, we don't have to. What? Less punditry. No, we, well, we don't have to do lots of pundits. We've just oh. done loads of... But you made an excellent... You were, I think the tactical play of the day was not so much the attack from Roglic, but the 10k we from Roglic. That, Talk us through. That was an amazing tactical play, wasn't it? What he did, he just put Bauman and Hesman... And, and Hesman, Hesman? Two Muns. Michel, Michel Hesman. Yeah, two Muns. The, 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 both a, a German Mun and a, and a, and a Dutchman Mun. <laughs> A Munman. Yeah. Two Munmans on Karen, the front. Karen Hessman. Karen Hessman and Karen Bauman. <laughs> on the front. Um, and it, again, a few got popped, but it was just kind of grippy. And I thought, hmm. And then, on the flat, 10k to go. The racing's on. But how about this? For a flex and a move, I'll have a wee. Now. And, I, and I'm not... And I'm, I'm, I did a, did a wee, moving, out the back of the group. And the rest of them are like, what do we do now? That... Is an enormous stare out. That is an enormous flex from Primoz Roglic, and I thought it was a stroke of flipping genius. I really do, and that's why I think this the psychological battle. It's a healthy one, I think, between a man who's who's, who's kind of hasn't done it all, but he's done a lot, and and this new pretender who isn't a pretender. <laughs> um, it's fascinating, and this race, as you quite rightly said, Ned, has has burst into life. Um, they, you know the crowning of Healy, um, and also set up for the next two weeks. It's exciting stuff, but yeah, I'm loving it. And it's just good to see a rider of uh, uh, with Ben Healy's hair, isn't it? So we talked about his voice a bit, but I think we shouldn't close the, that particular chapter without talking about his hair. No, I think it's. Do you know what? I think it's beautifully unkempt. Um, uh, it's tousled, um, and it's the only. I mean, when you look at how. How much thought's gone into the aerodynamic aspect of the, the bike, uh, the wheels, him, his body, his kit, that the hair is just like, yeah, that's who I am. Yeah. I'm not going to change that because when I'm in civilian kit, I'm Ben Healy. I don't need to be aerodynamic down the pub. No, I'm 22 years old. I'm a pocket rocket. I'm a little dynamo. I've got Dan Martin's voice. Yeah. And I've got possibly the hair of David Essex or something like that, circa 1974. Four. Circa, do you know what I think Ben Healy is is a is a is a white, green and orange silver dream racer. Do you know what? He's a bit you're right, he's a bit um world of sport. It's 82 he's, you could imagine him on a little motorbike jumping over multiple 
um, double-decker buses. Sometimes successfully, other times uh, t terribly tragically breaking a, a leg or killing a marshal. Yeah, I can um, imagine him just down the pub tonight getting in to the hotel at six. He's that kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> Staggering in, smoking, um, absolutely wasted. Uh, an hour's kip and then straight to the team meeting and, and comes 12 for the time Definitely trial. a fag on the go. Oh, we had, we had a couple of moments that almost got us the sack uh, in commentary. Today. In a nice way. Well, I don't know if the sack is ever nice, really, but but we got we, yeah, we had a, oh, look, there's the AG2R Citroen bus, yeah. quite nice. Um, we <laughs> we, should we just yeah, we it's had, fine. We had um, yeah, we had a couple of moments. We bookended our commentary, our race commentary. I thought was fine today, um, but we we bookended our, our the actual race itself just before the flag dropped. We went on a bit of a rhapsody about um, Stefano Alocchio who is the uh, race director and ex-pro, obviously full-time stage winner at the Giro d'Italia. Um, he's very familiar to us because he's a man who pokes his head. He does the Christian Prudhomme thing. He pokes his head out of the thing and he drops the flag. But I think he's got a tremendously, pleasingly 1960s kind of cartoonish um, aura about him. I yeah. think if you, if you wanted to do a, a 1960s cartoon about the Giro d'Italia, and you, uh, you had to design what the race director would look like, I think you'd come up with something a bit like Stefano Alocchio. Um, but thinking, the reason I'm thinking about that now is because Ben Healy smoking and drinking. I think Alocchio should really have a fag on the go. Uh, yeah. Not, yeah. I think that would just c cap it off, wouldn't it? It would just be a brilliant little addition. I, I also think Stefano Alocchio is a, is a big fan of Healy's hair because Alocchio's hair is a little bit tousled, isn't it? It's greying, yeah. but it's long at the back. He's not cut it through it. He doesn't mind. Thinning at the, thinning at the, t at the, so at the top, isn't it, a little bit? Yeah, Alocchio will probably be down the casino tonight, won't he? You know, he'll, he'll roll in late, but he'll still do his job. Yeah. So who was that famous? Who was the who was the uh, the prodigiously the Man United Irish footballer? What, what was his name? What George Best? It, it, I tell you, Healy is George, George Best. Best. <sighs> um, <laughs> that nearly got us the sack because we actually put some not all of that, but we put quite a lot of that on air about Alocchio. Um, just yeah, but that was playful. I, th I think it was the I think it was the the, the Arctic Circle puffin throwing that maybe well, uh, might get us the sack. The problem is, Andreas Lechnerson appears twice uh, on the podium, and he has done for, what, four days now? We've got to talk about that. We've got to talk that through. And, you know, it's quite, they're quite drawn out at the podium. We talked about the way he has this crouching stance. He, he's quite... He, he likes to... He's obviously very good at lifting things ergonomically correctly, so he doesn't yeah. strain his back. He, you could take a, a, a little leaf out of his book, actually, with your back strain. Uh, uh, he works in the health and safety department of, of some distribution centre or something, doesn't he? Or has done in the past. <laughs> so we, <laughs> I th well, I think we, he's come through the Uno X team, hasn't he? And I think all of them do at least a year uh, in uh, warehousing and distribution, just to keep it real. Yeah, of course they do. And it shows. And it shows he's got a lovely way of lifting, it, um, but he maintains a smile. It's, but it might be, yeah. But, but then what he did, which he, we haven't seen, um, had a bouquet of flowers, a bouquet of flowers, and basically hurled them into the crowd with such physical aplomb that I would imagine it could have travelled the best part of a kilometre, pretty way past, way past the crowd itself. It just landed in the street on a, on a dog. But I, I was so impressed by the. I said, "What? Well, he's clearly." Chucked a, thrown a discus or or a javelin and and an even maybe a, a big chunk of ice and then you just took it a step further by saying what? Well, you said yeah because you talked about his Arctic Circle heritage and I said well puffins, he's a puffin chucker. <laughs> and that's when you mic'd off and they, Matt, I think we might get the sack. And that remains to be seen. Let, let's check the WhatsApp group following this bit of podcast. Actually, we've got. Oh no, we just 
there has been a, a message in a WhatsApp group which looked a little bit ominous. So yeah. All right. Well. Um, yeah. Well, this podcast has come to a slightly abrupt ending given that David Miller, family man, has been uh, doing family things at the weekend and it is, a, it is at, in his own words, a, an endless swimming gala that is going on seemingly for the rest of his life and therefore unable to, uh, um, well, probably didn't watch the race and uh, even if he did, wouldn't be able to talk about it because he's otherwise engaged. So here ends the podcast. Um, we'll pick it up again tomorrow for an individual time trial, um, possible rain, and what could be a fascinating day at the Giro d'Italia. And because it's a time trial, I'll hold David Miller um, uh, to a firm contractual understanding that he must give us his expert thoughts. See you tomorrow. Bye.